All right, I got three green check marks. That means we're live and people are going to start filtering in here. Uh, today, I'm joined by Michael Gansel and uh, it's going to be a great conversation. We're going to be talking about his career. We're going to be talking about advisors, the different flavors and kinds of, of people who can help a business owner get through the, the troubles that, that arrive every day in running a business. And we're going to get started in just a minute. Let's, uh, let's roll the intro. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like, and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Well, awesome. Hello, everyone who's starting to file in. I see we've got a few viewers already. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking with Michael today, and we're going to be getting to viewer comments and everything. So while you're watching the show, if you want to put a comment in the chat, that's great. We'll get to those as we move along. But I wanted to start off just by getting a little bit uh, into your background, Michael, so we can kind of introduce you to the people that are tuning in here today. You uh, call yourself a strategic advisor. I've read your bio. But what I'd like to do is invite you to kind of give us a little bit of a background or, or, or take us through your history of your career, because you've done a, a lot of incredibly great things. I mean, you worked as an investment banker, you worked as, you know, you helped people raise equity, you worked as a commercial banker, you had your own business, which you exited, um, so many things. Where do you think that we should start with that? <laughs> That's a, a great question. I think that I must have really come into my own. Uh, when I started in the computer industry, and it was quite some time ago, but it was the Wild West, and I really loved loved it. Um, it, it the uh, there was no stopping what the opportunities were, and the horizon was absolutely as far as you could see and beyond it. And so um, I worked for five years for companies that actually went public and bust, and then started my own company uh, after that five years and. Uh, that was a tremendous, uh, just absolutely one of the most amazing ventures uh, that I've ever had. 15 years of starting a company. My partner and I literally sat uh, on two desks that we had probably paid less than $100 for. Uh, he had a, a chair with no arms. I had a chair with arms. And, um, you know, we actually built that company to about 75 people, 18 million in sales over the course of 15 years. And it truly was remarkable. And after that, taking that skill set of actually building a company, I was able to do many different things, investment banking, commercial banking, accounts receivable financing, um, startups. And then 11 years ago, Matt and I started consulting together. And uh, that's what we've been doing. And uh, actually, that's why I, see, I call myself a senior strategic advisor at this point. Senior for sure, strategic sometimes, an advisor, I hope. <laughs> well, so I just want to ask you a quick question because you said you were an investment banker. And for everyone who doesn't know, that's basically like almost like a business broker or M&A uh, advisor for sort of bigger deals um, down on Wall Street and places like that. What what was it that attracted you to, to that to that career? Was it because you had just done a deal for your own business? Did that sort of intrigue you and you wanted to get into that some more? It did intrigue me, and I was about to do that, but I actually went to work for IBM for a year in between selling my company and then becoming an investment banker. And um, 
you know, it was just a fascinating thing. The, uh, the fellow that helped engineer the sale of our company was, was, had said to me after we sold the business that he wanted me to come and work with him. And I said, well, I've got this offer at IBM. And he said, well, you'll come back. And so I did. And I worked with uh, Bob Schwartz. Uh, it was a boutique investment firm. And we had a really great time for the two, two and a half, three years that I worked with him. And then I moved on. Okay. And so in your in your commercial banking career, when you were doing loans and, and, and helping businesses grow through financing and whatnot, what were some of the, the big takeaways from that career? Because obviously you got a chance to see under the hood of a lot of businesses, people that you were working with. And I found that when I was starting off just after university, my career with the Yellow Pages was great because I got to go meet all these different small business operators and learn a little bit about their businesses. And I would imagine that from the banker's chair, you were able to similarly gather information about a wide variety of different businesses from talking with their owners and, and going through their, their banking needs. That was a fascinating time. Uh, I, um, I, I uh, actually, it was an opportunity because, oh, 2005 to 2008 was a, a totally different time. I mean, the economy was just, just great. And uh, everybody was starting businesses. Of course, the crash happened in 2008. But before that, things were really on the upswing. And actually, my only experience as a banker, I had no experience as a banker. My only experience with banking was having used banks during the time that I had my own company in those 15 years. So I knew a lot about banking from being the client. Not necessarily, but, but it was, I was a fast learner. I took the skill set. I loved businesses. I networked. And I actually was able to fund 115 businesses in that period of time that I worked with the bank. And um, it was fascinating because I became their advocate. And it was important for me to kind of dispel the, the, the thought, well, you know, you don't go to the bank when you need money. But, you know, I was able to dispel that. And I was able to do to term loans and, uh, and investments. And it really was uh, quite an ex a wonderful experience. And loved working with small business people. Always have. And it was just great. And so you mentioned that you were working in that up to 2008. Was the the Wall Street crisis one of the catalysts that got you out of that career? The bank, yeah, yeah kind of. The bank went through a transition uh, and uh, it merged with another bank and my role changed and I thought it would be more fun to just move on and actually got involved in another company. Uh, and basically, um, this was a company that was uh, funding uh, staffing companies that were basically not white collar, blue collar types of companies. And so that was a tremendous opportunity to use my experience prior to the banking experience and my banking experience and put it to that particular uh, opportunity. Okay. And then the, the advisory career, the consulting, voice of reason consulting, what you're doing today, around what time did that get underway? That was about 11 years ago. And what had happened was I was, um, I think I just finished with a startup because I've done about three or four startups uh, in, in the past. And I had finished with a startup uh, and um, I was kind of looking around as to what I, I might want to do. And I realized I could do this. I, I'm a consultant. I, I've been doing this. And so uh, at that time, uh, my, my partner, Matt, who had started my company Netland with me way back when, had asked me to participate in a project that he was working with a, a, a CEO in the LED world. I got involved with Matt and Doug, and we started Voice of Reason Consulting. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the typical client that you're working with. 
Well, the typical client that I work with is in the is in the service industry. It's a small business, probably up to 50 people from several hundred thousand to about 20 million in revenue. Um, not a lot of advisors. And uh, they're either having one of two issues. They're, they're growing rapidly and they're quite not sure how to maintain that growth or they're kind of stuck. And they, 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 everything that they've done to get them to a point has worked. And now they want to get to the next level and it's mm-hmm. not working. And that's kind of experience that I've had through my entire career. And that's where I come in and play a, play a role. So, um, Michael, I mean, how you and I came to meet each other was that you were a guest speaker for my business buyer um, adventure group coaching program. And so in the recording that you and I made, we talked about strategic frameworks and and how you go in and sort of analyze and look at a given business situation. And, and so back on February 1st, that recording went live for uh, the people that are members of that group. <clears throat> what I thought would be interesting today, because you've been working in the field of advisory, is you know, when I go out there on the internet and I'm on LinkedIn or I'm on these different profiles and I'm hearing all these different people talking, there's a lot of service providers out there who are talking that they are going to be able to help business people. And they use a lot of different terms, a lot of different words. And so I wanted to sit down with you today as somebody who works with business owners and entrepreneurs and talk about sort of these different angles that people come at. And on the, on the, the title for today's show, I called it advisor versus coach versus consultant versus mentor. And I have very different ideas of what each of those four roles is. And I and it was interesting because we, we met briefly there last week and we, we talked a little bit about this. And you had some slightly different ideas about what some of those different roles were. And so I, I wanted to talk about this because I think that in the world of, of business and entrepreneurship, there are people that achieve that point that you described where they've done everything and it's worked so far, but then they kind of get stuck. And I think it's important to realize maybe what kind of help you might need in order to get to that next stage. Okay. So if we, I guess let's maybe we talked about definitions of a consultant. A coach. Sure. Okay. So um, in the conversation that you and I had the other week, I kind of simplified it and said that, a consultant starts uh, with the business problem. You're a business. I'm a, working with a business owner. He tells me what his business problem is. Is it uh, growth? Is it you know being stuck? Whatever, whatever the problem is, it's external to him. It's outside. It's in his business. I've often so that's external. A coach I've often deci- defined as starts with the individual. Mm. Make them a better person, a better leader, a better delegator to do something personally to to improve their skill set. Now, business coach and a business consultant may approach the same client, but they start in different places. Ultimately and possibly they actually merge. So I wind up being a consultant and also a coach and a coach winds up being a coach and possibly a consultant. But it's where we start that really is the major difference. Um, and then, of course, there's so many different types of coaches and many different types of consultants. And then, of course, there's the advisor, which being a coach and a consultant is part of being of that. And, of course, there's being a mentor, which if you're an advisor and a coach and a consultant, you may very well be a mentor as well. So, you know, I guess you have to have lots of hats on your on your coat rack to basically uh, work with, with clients. It's, it's interesting because when... 
my point of view has always been that a consultant is actually somebody who will do something for you. So you mentioned a problem. Oftentimes a consultant is someone that, and this is the way I think about it, is someone who comes in to fix the problem, often by applying their own abilities, resources, skills, et cetera, and they, they kind of do it for you. And I always use the example of a, a business has an inventory problem. They have a problem managing inventory. So they bring in an inventory consultant who sets up a system, teaches them how to run it, and then goes, right, once, once they're off and running. And coaches and mentors are sort of more of that, that personal working on the individual who happens to be the leader. Um, what, what made you decide to use the advisor term? Was it because you thought it was more of a catch-all for all these kinds of different aspects of what you're doing with your clients? Yeah, I, I would think so. But, you know, also I wanted to find a little bit, want to take that consultant role for a moment. You know, um, often as I often say as a consultant, I'm not necessarily the doer. I will advise the client. I will uh, provide the solution. I will identify the issues. But then I may not be the exact, um, what did I say, uh, subject matter expert specifically. So if it were, uh, let's say, uh, an accounting issue, I might bring in accounting. If it were marketing, I might want to bring in a real market. If it was a sales trainer, I might want to bring in a sales trainer. Not that I can't do many of that. But basically, I see the consultant role in the companies that I work with as the consultant, as the advisor, identifying and providing solutions, which may mean that I might actually do the work. But then again, I might bring in the appropriate resources to do the work. Do you- or, or the resources may be available in the company. We just may have to reapply uh, how people do it. Um, we got some, uh, some interesting comments here. I think they're apropos to where we're at. <clears throat> First of all, Kevin joins us again from central Florida. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? Hi, Kevin. Um, Edwin is over on LinkedIn says interesting topic and reiterates what we were saying about consultants with the problem. Mentor starts with the internal problem asks about the business coach and the advisor. And I think we're getting into that now. What Edwin, Edwin goes on to say is that the consultant uh, comes in to fix a problem the business has. Coach and mentor works on the individual as a culmination of both ad- advisor, advise, and provide solution for a problem. The advisor doesn't execute the solution. Yeah, great, great summary of what we're of what we're saying. The question I have for you, Michael, is like, does a lot of that simply have to do with the fact that you've seen a lot of these things before? I mean, you're you're talking about identifying the problem and then and then all these different possible solutions, whether you're going to, you know, deliver some, some sales training, for example, or we're going to bring in another trainer. Are we really just talking about, you know, bringing the voice of experience into a business? Yes, we are. But let me give you an example. So uh, today um, I had a, uh, I was referred to a client, a a prospect who uh, is um, construction management business. And uh, basically, I asked him what his problem was. And he said that uh, growth, that it's just phenomenal and can't, qu- can't quite get a handle on it. So he asked me how I could help him. So I was thinking, well, how could I do that? So I think the best way to start an engagement with someone like that is to do a SWAT. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Really get to understand the what his business is like, where, where are the strengths, you know, where are the weaknesses? Those are internal. 
then what are the threats? What are the opportunities that are external? Really do a deep dive. Actually look at all of his marketing, sales materials, all of his financial information, trying to get an idea of can I understand what his P&L, his, his profit and loss, will tell me about his business. And from that, then, then I can basically, now that I have a real vision of it, from that I can come up with an action plan and a set of recommendations to basically solve the problem. Now, am I the doer at that moment in time? Am I the advisor? Am I the consultant? I'm, I'm not at that moment, I'm not the coach. I might, right. I might, but there's a business problem, it's external. And I have this methodology to say, okay, let's, let's figure out how we can solve this problem. Come up with an action plan, set of recommendations. And then the next thing I say is that if you think that I can help you, Mr. Prospect, if I can help you do those things that we've recommended in this SWAT, then I'm happy to work with you and then I would be engaged. But so I'm going to identify all the issues and provide solutions and then possibly actually do some of the work. Okay. So <clears throat> let me ask you this. So there's one word there that we, we didn't really dive into too much is mentor. Oh. And in, in, in my understanding, you know, before I met you and we were talking about these things, a mentor is somebody who is further along the same path that you are on, right? Who, who, you know, a lot of corporations will have mentorship programs with more senior people advising younger people on the career path kind of thing. And so I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, when you are choosing who you're going to work with as a client, do you identify certain types of businesses that you feel are in line with the kinds of businesses you've been in before and the experience you've had? Is, so is that frame of reference in that you kind of see how you have been or worked with other people who have been on that same journey as the, as the client in front of you? Hmm. Well, let me, let me do that. Let me see if I can answer this in my own way. Uh, the principles, every business, no matter how niche oriented it is, still has three principles, only three, revenue, expenses, and people. Mm -hmm. There is no business that exists that doesn't have those three things. And I would say that given my experience, I understand how revenue is made. I understand the expenses that a business requires, and I certainly know about people. So I can apply the principles that I've learned in all the different businesses that I've worked with to just about any service business in, in the arena that I'm talking about, small, medium-sized business, you know, several hundred thousand in revenue to 20 million, uh, up to 50 people. I, I know that I can provide the principles, revenue expenses of people, what I've learned, just about any business that was in that arena. And as far as being a mentor, you know, given my age, that's why I put senior instead of senior before strategic. I'm working with uh, people in their 20s and 30s yeah. and 40s and 50s and 60s. And I believe that I can be a mentor to pretty much just about all the people I work with. Uh, so I work with um, in one of one of my clients. I think uh, this particular fellow must be in his late fifties, and I believe I'm a mentor to him. I have another client. I'm working with people that are in their twenties, uh, twenty-three to twenty-seven. I think I'm a mentor to them. And so you know, again, I can play all those roles: the consultant, the the, the advisor, 
the mentor, and from time to time, even the coach. Well, could you share with us an example or a story of, of like a significant change that you've helped one of your clients' businesses go through? Yeah, it's funny. I've been working with a client for the last seven years, um, and we've built a leadership team. I was involved in the hiring of the director of finance. I've been involved in hiring the director of operations. I've been involved in hiring the new director of marketing and sales. So these are three people that have are on the leadership team. And I've actually done the entire process of finding them, introducing them, interviewing them, uh, bringing them on and continue to work with them. So um, I would say that I've made a marked, uh, a marked uh, influence to the company. I've also uh, hired a variety of other people in the company. I've hired other salespeople. I've hired project uh, coordinators. And I've actually helped uh, terminate some clients, some prospect, I'm sorry, some uh, personnel as well. So I would think that all of that activity has actually made a real, uh, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I've actually helped the company grow and change. Um, more, more recently, I've worked with a company that uh, I've actually done some sales training. These are cold callers and cold emailers. And uh, in one quarter, we went from actually no prospects to uh, a considerable number of prospects. And actually, I think revenues went from zero to $300,000 from their efforts within the quarter. Again, a direct impact working with people. And in this sense, actually doing, doing the sales training, and you might say doing the sales coaching, and in essence, then providing that coaching and training and working with the chief uh, marketing officer, chief salesperson to basically help grow revenues directly. Um, you know, when I'm, I'm just sitting, I'm listening to you tell the story and I'm, I'm starting to think about other places where that advisor or advisory word appears in, in business today. And one of the one of the things that I've seen pop up here and there all over the place is the, the concept of an advisory board or this idea that even a smaller business that has an individual owner, perhaps, or, or two people should still have some kind of almost think about it like a board of directors, but it's an advisory board instead. And so what would you say would be sort of the, the comparison or the contrast between trying to build a board of people to be an advisor versus just finding the right individual who seems to have the right background for the circumstances of the business? Well, think, hmm. well, let me actually, I, I don't know if I can answer that directly, but I will sort of around the bush a bit. I actually uh, have been working with a, uh, two fellows who actually started a strategic advisory board. And for the last uh, two years, we've been growing our small, our own uh, independent boards of directors. So what this is, we meet every two weeks with six to eight business owners. And there are three consultants, Bob, Larry, and myself. And we actually then work with six to eight uh, business owners from different disciplines. And we, and then we are all the board of directors. So there are three consultants plus the six to eight business owners, and we form a, a business uh, board of directors. And then every two weeks, there's a level of accountability. And we actually have a very simple method. We basically work with a template that has very simple. 
where are you now? Where do you want to be? And how do you how do you how do you uh, address the gap that's in between? And so that's what we do every two weeks. Um, and that is indeed a strategic advisory board. Now, to your point, yes, business owners can indeed get boards of directors, their own. Uh, but the problem I think sometimes is that I'm not sure whether they actually pay for it. So sometimes you may just get advice from friends, which is not necessarily yeah. professionals or you, um, you know, how many advisors can you actually have? And, and then people use networking to do their own informal boards of directors. But this strategic advisory board, as I'm describing, is really a, um, uh, a, a formal board of directors. I, I was uh, I was involved in such a group actually for over a ten year period, and it was it was a group of, of fellow business owners. There were there were ten of us for most of that period of time, sometimes uh, a few less. But uh, again, we used a lot of exercises, some goal setting, etc., and we would advise each other. And I always found it very interesting that the different points of view and the different experiences from the other people in other industries would sometimes open the door to aligning the thoughts and ideas that would create a solution for someone else. And I always referred to that as a, as a mastermind, but really, um, you know, if the composition is correct, um, you know, I like the illustration that you're doing. Is that, a, is that an in-person group or is this a virtual group that meets together? The last two years during, during the pandemic, it has been uh, virtual on Zoom. Uh, but prior to that, it was in person. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and so um, can you take us through um, um, another another example? I mean, you took us through the one where you helped basically build out the leadership, uh, the C-suite of the business. Can you give us an example maybe of, a, of another company that was in one of those stuck moments and, and, and how it progressed beyond that? Hmm. Uh, I think. You're really pushing me to. to Matthew's like, joining us from LinkedIn. He says that uh, Michael yeah. is a mentor plus. I know Matt. I know Matt. So I, you, you've got some uh, some uh, fans here tonight for sure. Well, actually, you know, we could use. Thank you, Matt, for for uh, being on 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 this. And actually, we can talk about Matt because actually, Matt is a is um, a manager is a marketing director for a um, a managed service provider, and. Uh, and when I first met Matt, I mean, it was his role was kind of unclear. Was he uh, was he really uh, involved in the actual hands-on technology since it's a managed service provider, or was he really uh, the director of marketing? And working with Matt and the uh, president of the company, we basically reformulated his role. And um, if you if I give him a, give there a plug. This is called Valiant Technology, and if anybody actually goes out and looks at Valiant Technology, they'll see what an amazing job Matt has done as director of marketing. So I think that uh, I might have been involved in helping that company really kind of get uh, get a more focused and really uh, generate considerable more revenue as a result of their marketing efforts. Now here was the thing: I was the consultant. I worked with Matt to basically refocus and talk about the business, the targets, and et cetera, he did all the work. So he takes all the credit for the work. I might take some credit for the advice. That's uh, it's, a, it's a great example. I, I, um, 
I find often that um, sometimes it really takes just somebody who's not in the weeds of the business situation. You know, that expression, you can't see the forest for the trees. Um, people that are in it every day just can't take that step back and look at it from a from an overall point of view. You know, what is the flow? How What is the customer's journey and how do we interact with that? And how do we make sure that they find us, et cetera? Um, when you're busy trying to execute every day, it's hard sometimes to work on that strategy, isn't it? really is. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know that from my own business. And I remember how difficult that was. I actually talk about stuck. I think in my own business way back, we were at a, uh, this goes back a while. We were a, uh, a network systems integration company and we got stuck at the 10 million revenue and we couldn't break that. We actually brought in uh, an outside resource, a consultant, uh, actually a Sandler sales trainer which is an approach to selling, which is what I've adapted to since, my goodness, for the last uh, 20 years or so. And he helped us break that cycle. We had a sales team of 12. We broke it. We got to 12 million and then later it got to 18 million. But again, we really had difficulty kind of like we had our own tunnel vision and we needed to just get beyond it. And that's really what a consultant does help, help, help strategy and also avoid that tunnel vision. In fact, what I say is as a consultant, my job is to basically figure out what is an unconsidered need. Because when you're in it every day, tactically, you may not see the broader picture. And that's why somebody like a consultant with more experience can actually basically then open them up to the bigger picture. So, Let's get back to our, our main topic of conversation here, though. Um, when you talk about consulting, and we, we said how this is problem driven, if we want to think about the entrepreneur who's in the business and they, they know they have a certain problem, oftentimes the engagement with the consultant will be project driven. It'll be, we need you to come and help fix this particular problem. And then the consultant might make a proposal, there might be a fee for the project or, or what have you. When I think about advisory, and coaching, I think about longer term engagements, sometimes with, uh, you know, a retainer, like a monthly fee or something associated with that and more regular series of, of meetings that would take place over a longer period of time. Can you comment on that a little bit? Like how, how do you, how have you positioned your services in the past? Have, have you done sort of the project based stuff or is it always sort of more longer term to help the company grow and, and, and achieve other sort of outcomes that they've identified? It's a bit of both. So, so if I have my druthers, I like to start with a, a new client uh, with a swap. It's, and that's a self-contained engagement. It's basically meeting. It's, it's basically meeting for several hours with the client. It's also then going away. Uh, and I have done this with my partner, Matt. And Matt and I will look at our notes, come up with an, an action plan, a set of recommendations, and then meet with the client again. And then give our recommendations. And if they want us to then help them implement those recommendations and that action plan, then we're engaged on a retainer basis. So, and, and the funny thing is, is that, uh, you know, as a problems that, let's just say, it's not, uh, it's the problems that businesses have, you know, one problem leads to another problem leads to another problem. It's sort of everything is connected. So um, I don't really think that the engagements that I've been involved in the past are just here I am for a month and that's it and I'm gone. Mm. I, I've been working with clients for years because the problems continue to change. 
And then at some point, my clients have said to me, you know, we've done it. We've, we know what all the problems are. Now we need time to actually implement those projects. And so Michael, we'll come back in a year. We'll come back in several months. And you know what? They'll come back because then there are new problems because they've gotten to the next, next yeah. level. In fact, that's just what happened with another client of mine. Uh, I think Matt and I had worked with them for about three years and then pandemic hit. They had, and basically they needed to just hunker down and deal with the issues that we had uncovered. And now they're back because they've gotten to the next level and now they're back and we'll deal with the problems that they're dealing with now. And I say problems, I shouldn't really say problems. I should say issues. I should say the things that a business needs to deal with, because it's not always a problem. Would you say that growth is a problem? It'd say that growth is something you would actually want to deal with that. It depends what the terms of payment are, Michael. A growth can be a big problem for some people. Yeah, I guess it can be. <laughs> I always see it as an opportunity. Um, and Kerr is in the audience and says hello and says, hi, David. Absolutely love your content. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Michael, you, you were just reminding me there of, you know, talking about how you're working with that, that particular client and you worked through certain issues and then you went away and came back. Another sort of advisory kind of, of thing that I'm starting to see a lot of too, are these fractional C-suite individuals. So, uh, a common one would be a fractional CFO. So right. a person with the right skills, but maybe they're dividing themselves between three different companies and, you know, a part-time effort in each one. And so how would you say, for example, that a, a, a fractional C-level person is different from the kind of work that you're doing? Well, that's good. First of all, I love working with fractional CFOs because they're involved in the actual operations, finance, processes of business. They are hands-on uh, to, to a degree, and they're not necessarily focused on revenue growth. And that's really, I would say, as a senior strategic advisor, over time, that's really the one thing I really like to focus on with a business is how do they grow revenue? So I will deal with sales and marketing in that side of the house. Um, there are fractional CMOs, uh, you know, chief marketing offices. There are fractional uh, C, uh, CEOs. There are fractional, uh, what's another one? Uh, they're, they're, in, in essence, a fractional person is a consultant. And um, maybe it depends on the size of the business and, and the specific needs that they have. Uh, I can, you know, work with many of them. And, and then there are some that maybe there's no room for me. In fact, what I found, quite frankly, is that a business that has too many advisors is not going to need another one. Well, that's an interesting comment. Can you give me an example of, of uh, an instance where this is, uh, you know, well, come to a head? Sure. I mean, uh, let's say I meet, a, uh, I meet a business owner and he tells me about his issues and, and he says, gee, you know, I really like what you say, Michael. And, uh, you know, I think we really ought to have a conversation. And then I say, well, let me ask you who you're working with. And he's got a fractional CFO and he's got a fractional COO and he's got a fractional this and that. And how many, how many cooks can you have in the kitchen? You know, so it's okay. I mean, uh, if I, if I think that I can offer something different than all of those folks, uh, why not? In fact, what I will say this is I love having conversations for possibilities with business owners. And I know that in a 30 minute conversation, I can find at least one business nugget that would be make that 30 minute conversation worthwhile for that person.
I'm, I'm sure of that. Well, all right. Um, if anyone out there who's watching uh, has any specific comments uh, or questions for Michael or some commentary or questions about advisory, mentorship, coaching, consulting, please pop them in the, in the chat window. Um, this, this has been an interesting conversation. Um, for anyone out there who has had a career where they've done a, a certain thing and they've developed their own body of knowledge, what kinds of things do you think someone should consider before they decide to get into an advisory or consulting mentoring kind of role like the, like the career you've embarked on? Hmm. You know, I have to say, I think this consulting fell into my lap. I don't know if I necessarily made the choice. I've made a lot, uh, I've had many different, I've done many different things. You know, I started my career as a public school teacher and, and I have a master's in public health. I was a hospital administrator and, and a hospital planner and then went on to be in the computer industry. And, you know, so I don't know. I, I think that you need to have it's funny. I believe people really need to have job experience. They need to do, and they need to, to basically do the things uh, at every level. And at some at some point, when they've done it themselves, and they have the skill set and they've mastered it, and they think they want to become a consultant or a coach, sure. But I I think that uh, first and foremost is to really get the experience. And it's not just book experience and it's not just school experience. It's real life experience. And it's yeah. really dealing with business, uh, both on a, uh, an intellectual and also an emotional level. It's interesting that you say that because, you know, when I work with my clients, it's always through the, um, the project usually of a, of a, a purchase or a sale of a business or, or preparing for a sale and then, you know, teeing it up to be able to do that deal. And a lot of the times when I'm working with buyers is I'll help them execute that deal. And they'll say, Dave, I like you so much. Could we work together? I want you to be my business coach. And, you know, for example, let's say they bought a janitorial business. I'll say like, you know, I've got a lot of experience working with people doing these deals, but you know, if you want me to mentor and coach you through this janitorial business, who you really need is the person who's retired after 25 years of, of owning their own, right. Who's, who's going to know all the ins and outs of this business and who's going to be able to alert you and kind of give you some some warnings about things that are around the corner or, or teach you about how they dealt with some of the same similar problems that you're going to come up with. And to your point, I refer to the, the actual experience, um, direct experience in doing the same kind of business. Um, and I think this is why there are just so many of these different types of advisory people out there, because um, they're all made up of their own individual paths and experiences, right, in, in, in the way that they can help uh, business owners. But, you know, I'm not sure I would totally agree with you. I would think that you certainly could have helped that janitorial, the, the buyer who bought that janitorial business. And because the principles, and I'll go back to this, the revenues, expenses, uh, people are still the same principles. And his issues of hiring or, or whatever are all general principles that I believe you could have dealt with. Yes, you could bring in a subject matter expert specifically, but I still think that if it were me, and I, I know that I could help that. I'm sure you could as well. So, I'm, you know, as I answered your question before, yes, I think you need experience. But that experience is more, um, more sort of like global, not necessarily all that specific, although it is both. But it's got to be global, too, because the principles are the same. 
mm. in my opinion. I I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I see your point of view. Um, Edwin on uh, LinkedIn asks uh, what we feel might be the differences between mentorship and coaching. Mm. Might be age. <laughs> <laughs> when I think of mentor, I think of somebody older on the same path who's kind of like giving a, a younger person guidance, like exactly. this is how it's going to happen sort of thing. Um, and, and you know, I know that there are plenty of people out there who've done training in, in coaching methodologies that, you know, could work with anyone and, and sort of like help them identify, pull out. Uh, I once had a coach describe to me that what they do is pull the solutions, you know, help pull the solutions out of the individual, right? Because the individual should be an expert in, in the domain that they're in. And it's it's just a matter of helping them, that person organize and and consider properly and, and, and put that recipe or the ingredients together in the right way. Yeah, I think so. You know, in the, in the mentor type thing, I'm, I'm, um, maybe in a sense, being a mentor doesn't necessarily involve uh, any remuneration. Yeah, that, that's valid. Yeah. You know, I mean, I believe I'm, a, I'm an advisor and a mentor to many of the uh, people that I work with. But in general, when I think of a mentor and a mentee, I'm not thinking that there is a remunerative uh, issue there. And it's taking somebody uh, who's significantly younger and helping them traverse a career, uh, traverse a job, uh, traverse, you know, life. And, um, and it's also an opportunity to give back for the mentor to give back. Yeah. A community thing, right. Uh, part of their legacy, passing things on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, another interesting comment here from Edwin, um, talking about who is the client being served and he's saying, you know, maybe it's the consultant and is serving the business while the coach is serving the leader, the individual person. Yeah. I, I think there's some validity to that too. Yes, I, I, I think so. Uh, in fact, you know, prior uh, yesterday and this, I think it was yesterday, I, I said, you know, I want to see if I did a, a very simple uh, on Google and say, uh, what is the difference between a coach and a consultant or an advisor? We're very interesting. Uh, I found some really interesting articles, but one was um, the focus of coaching is to identify and enhance the client's inner abilities, uh, which the client then can broadly apply to many areas of their professional life. It's interesting because it makes me think of a sports coach, you know, helping you to to learn skills or whatever in a given game. Uh, and then that once that improvement's been made, then you carry on with the greater skill, right? Right. And coaching is often the preferred tool when a client needs support with behavioral changes, such as improving their time management um, and learning how to delegate, learning how to be a better leader. And then the, you know, uh, but coach, but the, the consultant is starting, as I said earlier in the conversation, externally. Tell me what the business problem that you're encountering and how can we work on that business problem? Um, and as I said, often enough, they kind of ultimately a good consultant may become a very good coach and a very good coach can become a very good consultant because ultimately they are there to help that person solve their business problem and in the process of solving their business problem, become better at what they do. Uh, well, 
I, I think this has been great, Michael, because um, I, and I think, and I know from some of the comments that we've had here shared on the screen that a lot of people are, are getting some value out of, out of this conversation. If uh, somebody wants to learn more about you and, and the work that you're doing, what would be the way that they could learn more about you and maybe reach out and have a conversation with you if they wanted? Well, um, there's, I have a website, uh, voiceofreasonconsulting.com. That's easy enough. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find Michael Gansel on LinkedIn. It's in the show notes too, the URL link to uh, Michael's um, uh, LinkedIn profile. And uh, my email address is mgansel at Voice of Reason Consulting. And um, I, re I look at my email all the time, so I'm happy to respond. Um, and actually, um, well, there are a variety of other places, but I know that you can find me on LinkedIn and you can certainly find voiceofreasonconsulting.com. Awesome. I've got one final question here from Alexander who asks, could you tell me, please, what are the criteria or requirements for mentees to work with you or for the, that you work with? You know, um, is it a minimum company size or, or yeah, you had mentioned to me once a certain sales range? Well, actually, but the question was more of a mentoring first rather than consult. It says, are there requirements for mentees you work with? And so I don't have any requirement for working with mentees. I guess maybe maybe time is is our biggest issue. But I'd be happy if somebody thinks that they would like to meet me and have a conversation for possibilities. I'm more than happy to have that conversation. And then who knows what's beyond that? So I always say the best conversation to have is one for possibilities. It isn't necessarily a conversation for action, but you've got to get that possibilities before you have that conversation for action. So. If anybody wants to, me to be a mentor, thinks that I might be a mentor, reach out to me and we'll have a conversation and figure it out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michael. It's great to see you again. And for everyone who joined us live, thank you very much. If you wouldn't mind, please hit the like button because it really does make a difference with the algorithms of all the social media and whatnot. If, if people are clicking like when they, to demonstrate that it's a good quality video. And um, with that, Michael, I'll, uh, I'll say see you later, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Look forward to that. Thanks for this opportunity. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and the online courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out about how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, et cetera. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go out to Jeff Alpaw Customs for being my tailor. Men all around the world can look dangerous, just like me with the help of Jeff Alpaw Customs. JeffAlpaw.com, use the code DCB10 to save. They handle multiple currencies and ship anywhere you happen to be.